0: I was reminded whenever I was up early just praying for you and for, uh, for a day, and I was just sitting there thinking about how, uh, how little time that, uh, that I had and, and uh, feeling this this, uh, this pressure of, of having a shorter amount of time in prayer and a shorter amount of time in preparation. I don't know what your mornings look like. Um, but if I don't start my day with the Lord, and, and what I mean by that is I have a period of time to where I, I, I don't feel the pressure of the clock. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, my day starts early like your day, and there's all kinds of demands in my day. So I have to back up my alarm clock in order to have a, a long enough runway <laughs> to be able to, you know, to do that. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been on a plane, but there are times they, you know, they taxi and then they come out on the runway and then they stop. And that's probably part of the normal protocol pilots. And then, then they take off. And there are other times when, when it feels like that they're in a hurry, right? They, they come out and they literally kind of make the turn. They don't stop and they take off. I can't do that with my devotions. I have to come out, I have to stop to make sure that all the gauges are where they're supposed to be, and then I can slowly ac- accelerate. And uh, so when I got up at four and was doing all that stuff, I was thinking, man, you know, I need to I need to do this and uh, I need to do that. And then I was reminded uh, of what, what Grace and Granite really is. The Lord brought a thought back to my mind. We're doing devotions together, right? I mean, this is how this whole thing started. I was going through Grace and Granite so other guys probably were, and we just said, "Let's uh, let's do it together." So I did get some uh, some good time in prayer, and uh, and yet um, this is not just more information. Uh, this is a group of men actually seeking God together uh, before we before we start our day. So we want to do that, and I want you to open to Psalm 15 because it's October 15th. My little devotional schedule and it shouldn't slip your mind that although psalms is the word of god it's a it's the psalter it's a song book you ever think about starting your devotions with with singing with the song well that's that's what you're doing when you go to to the Psalms, and some of those songs are uh are praise Some of those are worship and adoration for the Lord. Some of those are laments and prayers. Uh, And uh, some of those songs start with questions like this one. Set our trajectory right before our lesson. David says, O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. Does that sound familiar to you? It should because one other, I don't know, March 15th, I don't know what day it was, we read this, this psalm. I remember it well. He who walks with integrity, walks the idea of living your life with, with integrity, who you are is, is what God sees, not, not what man sees. The integrity of your heart works righteousness. It's not just being, it's also doing. And then speaks truth in his heart. Um, you can be self-deceived. You can deceive others. So you're speaking truth in your heart. What's the best way to do that? Speak the word of God to yourself because you know that's that's truth and then David goes on to explain he does not slander with his tongue what's slander? Think of what he just says he speaks truth in his heart and now that that truth is should be coming out of your heart should be on your tongue the, the, that, that's the opposite of slander isn't it I mean slander is tearing someone else's down. He does nor speaks evil to his neighbor about his neighbor to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eye, in whose eyes, a, a reprobate is despised? You hate what God hates. But he who honors those who fear the Lord, you love the ones that the Lord loves. He swears by his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at, at interest, usury. Um, you don't take the resources, the wealth that God has given you, and abuse others with it. It's, this is like a loan shark. It's like somebody who charges, uh, you need a loan? Okay, I'll give it to you, 20% interest. That's what he's saying. You, you use your, your resources, your money as a tool in ministry to the Lord. It's a blessing not, not to abuse others, nor he takes a bribe. Against the innocent, you don't use your position of authority um, to hurt those who can't help themselves. He who does these things will will have a stable life; will never be ever be shaken. I want all of those things, don't you? Let's ask the Lord for them, Father. It's an intriguing question. that David starts with who who may abide who may remain in your presence and and apart from the Lord Jesus Christ uh, uh, the answer is nobody Um, we can't do all of these things uh, consistently enough to to enter your your presence and yet the Lord Jesus did perfect in all of his ways God a very God always obeyed never felt the temptation, um, he was sinless, and um, he is our, he's our savior, we look to him this morning, we praise you for him and, uh, and his perfect life, um, we thank you that, uh, that that we stand in him, that we placed our faith in him, it's his righteousness that brings us into your presence, but then after we come to him, Lord, we, we want to live consistent with our profession, You've empowered us by your Spirit. You've given us your Word, and so that should be should be pursued. It should be something that's worked out in our life. And so um, we want to stay in close fellowship with you. We want to do all these things in Psalm 15. We we we, we agree with David. We agree with you. And I pray that you'll just help us this morning um, as we we do our devotions together. We look to you and um, teach us something, Father, that we we did not know correct us correct some error some thinking in our mind that that will come up in bad fruit in our life lead us astray rebuke us lord where we need rebuked there are times we need instructed um, there are times we need corrected and there are times that we need punched in the mouth we need smacked and so i pray you would do that even this morning uh, through through your word Uh, and lord encourage us we we need encouragement. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we are on page one hundred this morning, and we are going to start with video in just a second. It's series seven, study six, and the topic is fathers in the in the home. But as you're going to see, this is going to apply to to all of us, men in. Uh, In general, and we're going to watch a little clip this morning, it's short, it's only about two minutes long, but I think it sets the tone for our lesson.
1: We learn to be fathers by looking at God's fatherhood. We learn how to treat our children by watching the way God treats his children. And children grow up to learn about the fatherhood of God by watching their fathers. And it should be so. It is men a huge calling when David says as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him he means God created fatherhood in his own image good fathering points to God God It points children to God. It points wives to God. It points neighbors to God. It points colleagues to God. That's why there are fathers in the world everywhere. That's what we are for. To reveal the fatherhood of God. How are you doing?
0: Short, but to... To the point isn't it you ever thought about that i mean everything in life all of creation has been designed by by god by god himself and um piper says good fathers point people to god and he, he ends with a question so how are how are you doing <laughs> how are you doing in that in that task if all that your family knew about god if all that your unsaved co-workers knew about God, if all that your wife knew about God was you, what you modeled, the way that you dealt with them, the way that you spoke, the way that you forgave or didn't forgive, what image of God would they have? Now, thankfully, I'm very thankful of this, i'm not the only thing that they have. <laughs> they have a Bible and they have other people. but think about that I mean in order to do some some healthy examination, if you are a model of God to others in your life, what are you modeling? how are you how are you doing? so I was listening to that, my mind went back to um, my pastor, Joe Hutchinson, who, whose father was a, was a drunkard. He was, a, he was a, a pipe fitter. And he would leave on Monday, and he would work away from the home. And his family loved when Mondays came because he was not a kind man. He was a very cruel man. And he would leave... And they would dread Fridays because Friday he would come back home from working out of town and almost always he would come home drunk. And whenever he got drunk, he got mean. And he would come home late on Friday night, usually after spending the, the money that he made on, uh, on, on alcohol. And he would come in and he would, he would beat his mother uh, Pastor Joe would tell this story many times. These mother, the kids could hear them arguing and hear mother begging for for him to to stop. And um, then if he didn't get all of his anger out on her, then he would come in and he would take the belt to the kids. And it was a, a very difficult home life to grow up in, as you can imagine. Um, and one night he came home drunk. And um, he actually went into the bedroom on his own daughter, so intoxicated that he didn't even know that it was his own daughter, and, and um, he tried to do things to her, and his mother stepped in, and they got in an argument, um, and he pulled out a, a twenty-two pistol, and they wrestled over it, and his mother shot his father while he was drunk in the heart with the 22 pistol and he died and that was pastor joe's home life and he said he went to a good news club meeting on thursday night you remember good news club meetings on thursday nights and he said he heard about a different kind of father Say he heard about a heavenly father that loved him uh, a father that didn't get drunk and didn't get angry and and wasn't cruel or mean to the children a father that could be trusted a a father that that actually cared more about him than himself to the point that he would send his only son to to die for him um and he said that the, the 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 person that was sharing uh about 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 god um said you can have you can have that that father that father loves you um and he said he he received him and and obviously was was saved and somewhere later in his life he said the Lord called him to preach and uh, he said he could remember people mocking whenever he announced that God had called was calling him into the ministry because people said that's that's Tiny Hutchinson's son everybody knows who everybody knows who he is um, they knew his dad they knew he was a drunkard and. And usually about this time, of the testimony you still see Pastor Joe big tears you know, fill his eyes, and he said they knew my earthly father, um, but they didn't know I had a, a heavenly father, um, and that heavenly father can change things, can he? Amen. Um, powerful testimony. Um, what testimony are are you giving about God in uh, in your in your family and in, in your in your life? Um, piper says how are you doing what do they think god's like by looking at you is god angry is he demanding is he is he punitive does he give you grace but only after you know you, you beg and grovel for for several days uh, is god self-absorbed is he is he hard to get to What is God really like? Because that's our target. And I know all of you right about now, like me, are thinking, I am a miserable wretch. How I failed in all of those areas. Uh, and the good news is that God's grace covers all uh, of, those, of those gaps. But, but that's our target. That's what we, that's what we, uh, we, we aim at. Um, not about being a perfect father but about being one that pursues our Heavenly Father. Because when we pursue Him, then He begins to stamp our our life and our attitudes and our thinking, and then that begins to naturally come out in our lives. So look at uh, our opening paragraph here. Fatherhood comes from God. God sovereignly creates a family unit when a man and a woman leave their parents and join together in a one-flesh marriage. The two shall be one. God's design for marriage normally results in the birth of children. Normally, because that's not always the case. Um, Judy Zimick stayed with us for the, for the women's conference. And, you know, Doc Zimick, who is our academic dean, um, what a, an amazing, amazing man. Fifty years of training men in ministry. Just celebrated that last year. And George and Judy never had children. Um, never had children, but he's got a lot of a lot of spiritual children. <laughs> I'm one of them. Uh, so not all the time. does God ordain marriage and not all the time in marriage. Does God ordain children? but normally does. And in his design, fathers are called to lead the family according to biblical principles. And you say yes, biblical principles. So what does it look like as we wield those biblical principles? It's not, just, it's not just doing, it's also being. So we're going to examine the biblical mandates as they relate to the forming of the Father's character and convictions. You hear the being and the doing. The Father's character before the Father's convictions. It's one of the things that creates hypocrites. creates hypocrites with your, your children to have convictions without the character. Tell them this is what God says to do. This is what I demand of you. This is what I demand of my home, and yet you lack the character, i.e., the grace or the kindness or the self pursuit of those same convictions. So it's character and it's convictions. But on the flip side, you can be nice and warm and cuddly and, and gush with all kinds of mercy, but you know, but be a wet noodle, and that's not good either. There's character and there's convictions. And Jesus Christ said both, didn't he? Jesus wasn't just some milquetoast guy that ran around healing everybody and, and feeding them. He was, he was tough. He, he had conviction. He confronted the Pharisees. So we're looking for character and conviction as we, we lead our homes. And our character impacts our wife, our children, and the ultimate success of the family unit. And I would say whatever ministry God places you in, and that is, is weighty. So we've got a number of Bible study passages there. I'll ask you to read some of them, but we're going to look at six character principles um, that, uh, that are going to help you. What character, what convictions do we need to represent God? Well, there's six of them that we're going to, going to examine. What convictions do you need? What foundation do you build your fatherhood on? And character principle number one is trusting in the sovereignty of God. An example of the sovereignty of God is we just preached on that on Sunday in Ecclesiastes 3, and here we are talking about it again in grace and granite, unplanned by me but clearly planned by the Lord. What does that look like? What does it look like to trust in the fact that God is, God is sovereign. Well, he begins with saying your faith must be grounded in trusting that God is God and and I'm not. I think it's a good way of, of of saying that. Um, he talks about God works all things after the counsel of His will. Ephesians one, eleven. I think somebody's going through Ephesians. Is that? Uh, play and boundless is going through Ephesians. Have you come to Ephesians 1.11 yet? You already passed that one. Oh, yeah. All right. God works all things after the counsel of of His will. Number two, God sovereignly uh, God's sovereignty should affect all our thoughts and our responses. It should be part of the grid system that we that we think through and that we we govern our lives number three he says faith is tested in god ordained trials how is trusting in the fact that god is god he's in control of everything how is that tested in trials it's one of the ways that really exposes what you actually believe about god right when you get in the trial where do you go where do you run i don't know what to do I mean, it's easy to espouse a lot of doctrine until you have to put it into practice, right? <laughs> and you surely have to put, put it into practice in in a trial. Where do you run? Your own strength? Human wisdom? Um, grab the bull by the horns? Pull yourself up by the poot straps? Or do you go to prayer? Do you say, I don't know exactly what, what's going on or... or or, or, or maybe the trial is caused by your own by your own doing. Where do you go then? That's how it's tested. And God stretches and uh, stretches and strengthens faith through a trial that produces endurance, James 1 says. Tests always produce stamina when you're persuaded, That God's planned outcome is always for our best and always for for his glory. What what does James tell us in chapter 1? We're to count it all joy because we just love suffering. Is that what he says? Do you like suffering? I hate suffering. (laughs) I avoid it at all costs. What does he say? Why do we count it all joy when we enter into diverse temptations, as the King James says? Huh? It produces, yeah, it produces something. It produces good fruit. So we rejoice not in the trial, but in what God uses it for in our in our lives. And you can have a lot of analogies. The building of, of spiritual muscle it strengthens a believer. Um, and God has a purpose in that in that trial. He's not up there saying, "Oh no, uh, I didn't know that was coming." He has a, has a purposeful intent in, in that trial. Yeah. It's
2: like uh, the diamond that gets pressed in. Mm. So we were supposed to be that image of God, reflecting God. So as he presses us in the
0: trial. Amen. And then what do you do with a diamond? running off of, of uh, um, Chico's analogy there. You polish it. You cut it. You trim it. So God puts us in circumstances that that, that turn us into a, a diamond, and then and then we uh, we work, we we labor. You can see God is always faithful as He stretches a believer, and then He sovereignly controls the parameters to produce more faith. He does not crush your faith; He is, in fact, protecting your faith. Do you? You, can you think of an example of, a, of this? I think of the example of Peter. You remember when Jesus told Peter, when Peter really boldly says, "I'll I'll never deny you. I'll die." And what does Jesus say? No, that's not what you're gonna where you're gonna do. In fact, you're gonna fall to the temptation of the devil. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Have you ever seen? Wheat sifted, it's not a pretty picture if you're the, if you're the wheat. It's a painful process. It's beaten uh, to break up the, the out, outer part to get into the kernel, and then it's thrown up in the air so the wind comes and blows the chaff away, and then the grain falls to the ground. Jesus uses that analogy for Peter. You're, you're, gonna be, you're going to be beaten, <laughs> broken up, Thrown up in the air. The wind's going to come and tear part of you away. But what remains is going to be grain and kernel and useful and good. And he says, I've prayed for you. You're not going to ultimately fall or fail in that situation. In fact, I'm going to do something good. What does he say? After you repent, after you return, strengthen the brethren. God had... A purpose for Peter in that in that trial, and God has a purpose for us in our trials. One of the greatest comforts as a as a Christian as a believer is that God promises to force all of our circumstances to to bring about a good purpose, which is conformance to the image of Christ. Um, it, it's not indiscriminate; things don't just happen like happenstance he he works them together he began a good work and he will continue that that good work and you need to remember that as you're representing the lord in your in your families what does that look like you submit to him you look to him and you trust him three things i wrote down for myself okay what does this look like how do i put this into practice Well, I think it starts with submission. You submit to him. This is not in your notes. This is in mine. You submit to him. You look to him and you trust him. What does it look like to trust in the sovereignty of God? You submit to him. You're you're under him. You you, you get off the throne and you put him on the throne. You're God. I am not. So I think it starts with a submission. Um, And then that submission is you look to him. How do you look to God? I really you look to the Bible. I mean, if I don't know, God does, and he's given me a book. So I, I, I start with the, with the attitude of, of humility. I submit to him, and, and I put him on the throne, and, and then I listen. I, I, I look to him, I submit to him. I look to him in my, in my parenting, in my trials, in my whatever. I'm going to go to the book to see what he says about it, and then I'm going to, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe what what it says. Um, there's knowing, and then there's doing. Um, is it enough to know? You know the answer to that. It's no. You have to put it into into practice. Um, I'm not in charge. I am not. Uh, I'm not Invictus. This is, I'm not the captain of my own fate. That's submitting to God. Uh, I look to him, the Bible. I follow where he leads. I need his wisdom. I look to, to his wisdom and then I act on both. And uh, I do what I know to do and then I, and then I trust him. I, say, what if I don't? what if I don't know what God wants me to do? You do what you know to do and trust in the sovereignty of God. It's not a tightrope. It's not like God's, you know, up there, up there in heaven saying, you know, you got to walk perfectly like this. You know, if I, I fall off of God's will or on one side or the other, he, he, you just submit your heart to Him and, and you 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 learn a pattern of looking to the Bible and and you're part of the church and you bring other people into your life and there's a multitude of counselors. There's all these graces that God's put in and then you walk. You put you put one foot in front of the other um and that's that's a trust in in the fact that he is is ultimately in control look at the the second character principle there yeah
3: Did that you like but um, at the same time, I very
0: life giving You must work in a really tough place if you're taking all those kinds of things home.
3: So.
4: <laughs> my boss.
0: Your boss is—he is an absolute wretch, I can tell you. I know him very well.
4: I don't think Pastor Brody's that bad. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Amen. So remember, whatever you say you believe uh, will will be tested. Will be put to to the test. It's it's not um, do as I say, not not as I do. It's it's both. Um, it's do as God says, uh, and and then you repent when it's not as as God does. Look at character principle number two. Seeing leadership in the home as a stewardship. Hmm. Well, this principle is taught all through the Bible. You're a steward. What comes to your mind whenever you hear the word stewardship? I think about the, the annual stewardship campaign that, that we used to have as a church. And when I first moved to Lynchburg for the first three years, going to Thomas Rhodes' big stewardship banquet. Every year and doing a pledge card. That's what I think about when I, I think of the word stewardship. But the Bible says it's a lot more than just being a, uh, not the owner of our money or our resources. Um, what else are we stewards of? There's some other things in the Bible that, that reminds us that we're not the owners. What God says is, what are some things that the Bible says are, are God's, not ours?
1: Time.
0: Time, Okay. Our body. Yeah. That's good. That's what I was thinking of.
4: And
0: huh? Talents and abilities. Huh? Talents and abilities. They're they're given by God. And then we we can sharpen those. I mean, I gave you a mind and yet you, you, you exercise it. He doesn't just zap you with with knowledge. but he gave you that mind to begin with, the ability to you know, to stretch it. Um you're your body's a temple. Um, your talents. Um, what else? Resources. Resources. That's the obvious yeah. one. Yeah, the, you don't own them; they're they're the Lord's. What else? Yeah. Could you add achievements to
4: that? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, in what a Christian does is they they don't they don't take <laughs> ultimate credit. You know, you and, and even in what you know you have been able to accomplish you're sitting there going i wouldn't have done any of that unless the lord had given me the abilities and the opportunities and everything else so you're always you know heaping the you know the praise back back on him there's a lot of people that are a lot smarter than us that work really really hard and 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 don't accomplish anything or they do accomplish something and they don't use it you know properly just because you have stuff doesn't mean that it's in proper use I mean, it has to be employed for you know for the for the Lord. What else? You think of anything else? You're steward of. Well, he gives us one right here, right? It's our families, the hearts, our the hearts of our children, your children. They're they're not yours. Your wife's not yours. It's it's they're God's. You're you stand as a surrogate. You're in the place of. I think of this as a worldly. Uh, uh, example if you will but like a, a surrogate parent surrogate womb you know they have all kinds of ways to to, to it, it's it's not the it's not the owner it's not the original it's somebody who's standing in the in the place of and your children are not are not your own that's really really hard especially when you've poured all of your effort and all of your energy and you know is the old joke uh, your mama says I, I brought you into the world and I can take you out again you know it's actually God who brought us into, into the world. We're, so we stand as a steward, and that changes the way we think about our children, the way we think about our families, just like it should change the way we think about our stuff or our achievements or our talents. It's, it's given from God. So if, if we don't own them, if somebody else does, then we're accountable to, to somebody else for how we use them, and we're accountable to the Lord in how, we, in how we, we treat his children, how we treat the woman that, that is our wife but, but, is, but is his. So as a stewardship, this is our opportunity to generationally pass on through our teaching and leadership in, in the home. So what does it look like? So you establish the ownership part. They're not ours. They're the Lord's. But I stand there in 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 his place and I'm commanded to do certain things for to, to his family to his children, but what is that what does that mean? well as a steward, God has given me the opportunity and the responsibility to generationally pass on through through teaching and, and leadership. what are we supposed to pass on I, I mean I can remember from I don't even rem- I don't even know how old I was. I don't remember it started. There are certain things that my dad taught me. I mean, these are little mantras. Never get behind the eight ball. That was one of his famous sayings. Um, and what that meant was always stay ahead of the game. If you if you if you're lazy or you you know you, you slack, then it, once you get behind, then you know then everything else is going to come come at you. So never get never get behind. Um, I can remember my dad um, always hammering, be, be on time. Um, you know, it was a horrible thing to be, to be late. I can remember my dad talking about other people. He would say, that guy's so lazy, dead lice wouldn't fall off of him. Little things that I can remember. I mean, he said that a hundred times. I still remember it today. I mean, what's he teaching me? Laziness is a really bad thing. You you need to be on you know on time. Work hard, you know, don't go into debt, save, all of these, all of these things, some of which were were biblical principles. He passed on to me a lot of the things that he learned from his father. And and some of those same principles, the ones that are biblical, I passed on to my children. If your family, your children stood back and said, What have you passed on to them? What would the list be? What would be on the top of the list? What would the list contain? What would the list not contain? That's probably the more probing question. Um, What have you generationally passed on to them? And we have a great privilege in that. We can generationally pass on things. The scary part is we generationally pass on sins, patterns, sin patterns. But we also have the opposite opportunity. We can generationally pass on things about the Lord. So look at number one. We teach our children to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, you can't tell them to do that. You have to do that. That's how you pass that on. So the goal is the generational worship of God as he has revealed himself. Now, does this always work? Is this a nice, neat little formula? Proverbs, one of our one of our verses, Proverbs twenty two six. Look at number five. Let me read Proverbs twenty two six. We'll come back to number two, but look at Proverbs twenty two six. Rich, read that for us when you get there.
4: Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from
0: it. Okay, what have we learned about wisdom literature? What have we learned about proverbs? General, general guidance. Okay, general guidance, general truth, and, and, and generally, if you do this, you you have you have a good, it's a good chance that that's what's going to take place. But but are these absolutes? And Job says, no, they're not absolutes. <laughs> And Ecclesiastes says in a fallen world, then things can get, really, can get really squirrely. But what do we do? Say, well, there's exceptions, so I don't do this at all. No, you're commanded to train up a child the way that they shall go. And generally, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a proverb. So that's what he means in number one when we teach our children to, to love God. And even if your children don't follow God, you're still responsible and commanded. It's still a good thing to teach them to love the Lord. Um, They shouldn't say, uh, I don't love the Lord because my father didn't love the Lord. They should say, my father loved the Lord, but I'm going a different path. And now then that's on them. That's not on you. Yeah? Yeah.
5: I guess that's a textual question. There yes. There's a footnote in my NASP that says that that literally means according to his way. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're training him up, let him go the way he wants to go, that's mm-hmm. the way he's not going to depart from. If he's had his way, when he gets older, he's going to continue that.
0: Way. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't think that that's, that's the uh, an accurate understanding of, of what that of what that's saying uh, there's uh, I think James Dobbs and there's some others writ, wrote some parenting books about you need to figure out you know your your child's uh, bent yeah, yeah. you know are they firstborn, secondborn? second born are they you know lions beavers uh, dogs retrievers you know whatever it is figure that out and then kind of get in sync with that and that's what will help them you know follow the Lord I think that's it's adding some extra yeah, biblical. Well, I
5: guess what I was looking at is yeah. more. If you don't <coughs> turn him from what his natural influence Oh yeah. He, he's going to continue on that on that uh, kind of a narcissistic path from now on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the,
0: yeah.
5: The, the, the guidance and the instruction and correction is needed to get him going the right right way. Don't let yeah. him go.
0: Yeah, and that's not always that's not always easy to do, is it? Um, yeah. And there, you're we're talking about modeling God, but then there's also something else that the Proverbs talks about that helps your children go in the right way. It's called the R O D, right? Mm-hmm. Foolishness mm-hmm. is bound up in the heart of a child, um, but whenever you administer the R O D, you you make sure that you're modeling G O D. Whenever you do that. Yeah.
3: Having um, <coughs> adult children, one of the hardest things there is going back to the sovereignty of God because if you say that's a general rule and it says when they get old, yeah. in the sovereignty of God, it's his timing
0: mm.
3: when they might actually show the fruit mm. of what they've learned from you. And it may not be when
2: they're a teenager.
0: Yeah. Okay?
2: And it may not even be when they're
1: it's in
0: their that's excellent. It goes back to even what we we're talking about on Sunday. You have a limited view, yeah. you know. So don't draw conclusions with a with a limited view. God may not be done, may be done with His work. <laughs> Let me prove to you that proverbs that proverbs is, is is accurate. That it's general and not always the case. Turn to Isaiah one. This is free. It's not in your notes. Isaiah one. Isaiah 1 2. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. So, who's talking? Who's about ready to talk? God. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled or revolted against me. The Lord says, I have children, and they have rebelled against me. So don't always assume that the reason that your children are astray is because you've been a bad parent. Because here's an example of a perfect parent. Is there ever a more perfect parent than God? God's a perfect parent. Yet he has rebellious, rebellious children. Um, and so you train them up in the way that they should go. And that's uh, the target. It's good. Look at two. Kind of goes along with what Ed was just saying. Only God can change the heart. But you as a father... Bring your children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is all talking about what you're commanded to do. You can't control what God will do or what how they will respond to it. But what are we to do? We're to, we're to realize that we're stewards, not owners. And we're to bring up our children in the discipline and admonition or instruction of the Lord and, and I, this is what I underlined in my notes it's, it's a male responsibility Ephesians 6-4 it's a male responsibility don't leave that to to your wives um, only God can change the heart but you bring them up train them up both discipling discipline discipline is not all negative Keeping them in the in the guardrails. Think of a disciple. This is what to follow. This is how to follow. I'll take you by the hand. Let's do that. And then the you know, the instruction. And it's it's not your ways. The goal's is not to make them little used. It's to make them little Christ's. And that's a male responsibility. Don't abrogate that. Yeah.
6: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You shepherd your wife, and um, you you pour into her so that her ministry to them is an extension of your ministry. So if you if you're not modeling God to her, then that's going to have a that's going to have a ripple effect, and then she points to you. You know, so the you know the idea of. Uh, wait till wait till dad gets home. Um, there, there's a good there's a good part to that. You know, I mean, they should know. Your children should know that that they're going to deal with you and not just mom. Um, so your ministry pouring into her will spill over into them, and, and then she's always she's always pointing them pointing them back to you because she trusts in you because you've you know you you've modeled that.
2: I, I was uh, trying to remind men that they should, um, don't support what mom is teaching in the home. But when they're um, helping, investing in that, they're yeah. validating yeah. mom's training and using the system. The dad validates yeah. all that with the leadership in the home. He validates the Lord by his leadership. So. Yeah. Mom's Validate all that by supporting her in those, in those roles.
1: Yeah.
2: So we have to model God and, and worship of the Lord and reverence for God is what our kids will see. Yeah. So we don't have all the details that have power of that. We need to validate the home by we're setting the tone. Yeah. By
0: God. It was, I, you know, I think if, if you want to read. Uh, some good on biblical manhood and womanhood. There's a there's a big work that the um, Council for Biblical Manhood, Womanhood did, but in the introduction, I can remember Piper talking about, you know, being a woman doesn't mean weak. He said, I never thought of my mother as weak. I can remember her pushing around the wheelbarrow, you know, in the summertime. And I can remember sweat dripping off of her, you know, her sharp German nose. You remember her arms being tanned, bronzed in the you know in the sun, uh, but I never thought that she was in the place of dad. Even when dad was gone preaching and doing other things, um, it was very clear, you know who was who was the man and who was the woman, who was the male, who was the you know the the, the females. And what Mark's saying is is how you model that. Um, you think about what you're modeling. You know, if if you will, the absentee father. Well, go talk to your mother about that. You know, or undercutting her when when she's been dealing with them all day, and then you come home and you want to be the good guy, uh, and you throw her under the bus. You know, don't you know? Don't do.
2: Uh... I just have one more question. Yeah. We're
0: having devotions together. Will you promise you won't talk anymore? Ever? Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead, please. Well, I, I
2: wish I would learned 20 years ago, but um, I learned this through uh, the book uh, The Heart of Anger by Luke and several other guys who are trained this way, is that we get all these complicated behaviors in our kids. You know, with ODD and they want to label them all these kids with all these issues. We should remember one Particular principle that will change your family Mm. dynamic, and that is most behaviors in children are learned behaviors. Mm. So if your children are angry, somebody in the home is angry. If your children Mm. are anxious, somebody in the home is modeling anxiety. So and if somebody's depressed, I'm just telling you, most of most behaviors in children, they only know what their parents. That's their little world, and they're learned behaviors.
0: Amen. Let me simplify that. Amen to everything you just said. Family is God's boot camp for life. It's how you learn how you relate to one another. Uh, How does a child learn how to deal with conflict? Well, they're put in a home where they're fighting with with brother and sister. (laughs) How do they learn how to deal with, with one being super neat and the other one, you know, clothes everywhere, and then they clash in the home? And that's what we're talking about. How do you learn who God is? How do you learn how God's going to react? Well, watching you in in one sense. And um, so it's it's God's boot camp uh, for life. So don't look at the conflicts or the difficulties or whatever it is as as a bad thing. It may be part of basic training. And just like basic training, if I was called to go, you know, run 15 miles, I would probably die after the first one. But you give me six weeks or so, I could probably get up to that. So we've got, you know, 18, 19 years, now 26, 35 years, however old kids are before they leave the home. I don't know. But um, that's, that's, that's a good way of thinking about it. That's great, Mark. That's excellent. good. It is. Is there something else you want to
1: add?
0: Yeah. yeah. What What does the flesh think? You walk in the door. She's been there. If you have a situation where she's been there, she's been there with the kids. You're thinking, I've had a really hard day and I'd like to read the newspaper. I'd like to, to relax. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And, um, and you're not taking initiative you're thinking about yourself. As fathers, look at three. Your presence in the home should be predictable. Are you predictable? Hopefully in a good way. Don't toy with your family. Throw money at problems when your time or attention is needed. We're going to talk about exasperating your children. One of the ways that you can exasperate them is be unpredictable. Like... I'm going to come to Dad, and I don't know what I'm going to get today. I mean, one day it may be grace, and it may be it's okay, we're all sinners, and the next time I might get the back of the hand. Don't be unpredictable. Is God predictable? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he is. He doesn't change. Look at B. If you can't be there. Your family should be grounded in the knowledge that you want to be there above all else. Now, there was a trend. I think Dobson started. We were talking about him earlier. This whole idea of, you know, quality time and quantity time, and and just like with anything else, anytime there is a needed correction, then sometimes we 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 hammer too much on that, and we you know we overcorrect. Um, and so there was this idea that, you know, you you don't you spend every moment that you can, and you're never working, and you're never gone, and and uh, you probably heard some of you know, some of that. So there's going to be times work's going to take you away. You may have a job that that creates odd hours or causes you to. Uh, to to be gone now. Obviously, you have to evaluate that in general. If it's if it's trash in your family or your marriage, then are you putting money, you know, ahead of, of that? I mean, that's a legitimate question to ask. But sometimes that that might not be the case. And if you do have a situation like that, then you're going to have to work extra hard that they know this. They would you would prefer to be there rather than prefer to be to be somewhere else. Four is what we were talking about earlier. When men abdicate their role, women take over out of fear. Look, don't always assume that your wife is just rebelling or she's a dominant woman. She may be doing what she's doing out of fear. You're not there. She sees the effect that it's having on your children, your, your children there, your children together. And she steps in that role because there's a real vacuum that you're leaving. And, and then the roles get reversed. And then that's disastrous. Specifically to sons, when fathers neg- neglect their, their family, it's a tragic loss for, for children. If there's a problem. Things start happening you know, like this. And then you men have a tendency to, with, to withdraw, to draw back. And what does the wife do whenever that, that, that space is there? Rather than, than going like this, we're going to go to the Lord together, we're going to try to fix it because conflict and difficulties come. What a man, man typically withdraws and creates a vacuum, creates space. And what does the wife typically do? She comes after him. And it's usually like this, right? Not Pac-Man barking, and that can turn into nagging. And then, and what does a man do whenever he hears nagging? Goes farther away. And what does she do? She sometimes nags even more. And and then when that happens, at some point she'll she'll stop. Or or but look at where we started. We started right here, right? Man, woman. There's a conflict. They're to go to the Lord. They remain in this position. The man withdraws, and then the woman. What is she doing? She's stepping into the man's place, into his role, and then the roles get reversed. And then you can actually create a pattern of that in in your home. Um, and now you're not modeling anything that you're you're supposed to you're supposed to model. All right. Look at character principle number three. It's the last one that we'll cover today. Believing in God's word. So we have trusting in the sovereignty of God, seeing leadership in the home as a stewardship. You're not the owner. You've been given a task to do by God. It's God's home, God's children, God's wife. And the, the third principle is believing in, in God's Word. Basic enough. Tragically, even in the church, men abandon their families and their responsibilities. And that can be traced back to a lack of belief. It's unbelief. be traced back to a, a lack of faith in, in God's Word. We have an encouragement here in Luke seventeen six. Jesus says a small amount of faith is possible. Now, what's faith? I'm going to get really, 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 really sincere So, what faith is what's biblical faith were the are there are, are the Muslims that, that pray five times a day they're really sincere are the Jehovah's Witnesses to knock on your door are they sincere are the Hindus that go you know pray every morning and put something the dot between them, are they sincere of course they're sincere faith is not just sincerity it's not biblical faith what, is it, what does faith require To be
6: biblical
0: yeah yeah your faith has to be attached to something okay i really really have faith in god is that going to get me to heaven i have to attach that faith to the work of jesus christ (laughs) i mean it's christ that that gets you to heaven he's the one that that stands as the as the substitute your faith uh, attaches to that promise that god has has made and so you have the example in of Abraham in in Romans, Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able to do. So biblical faith is being fully persuaded that what God promised so you are you're believing in something that God's declared, something that God's promised and then it has him as' the has the the backup. so you have faith in what God has, has promised. What, what would a great amount do? Well, a father must be grounded in Ephesians six thirteen through 17. It's the armor of God. We must know the truth and, and believe it no matter what. Turn to uh, Ephesians 6. You know this passage well. It's the armor of God passage. It to be grounded. You must know the truth and believe it no matter what. So it's put to the test. So verse 13, take up responsibilities and resist. So there's a positive and then there is a, there's a negative. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist. The verbs take up and Resist in the evil day, having done everything to to stand firm. So you take up your responsibilities. You resist the wayward path. Look at verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, standing firmly in truthfulness, literally. This is the integrity of a... Of a clean life. Verse 15. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, be be urgently ready, prepared with with your feet under you. Notice how the verb changes in verse 16. In addition to all, taking up responsibilities, resisting a wayward path, Standing firmly in truthfulness, the integrity of a clean life, being ready, being prepared, having done all that. In addition, taking up the shield of faith with which you may be able to extinguish the, all the flaming arrows of, the, of the, the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the, the word of God. Shield is for our Defense. The shield is your faith. Why do you need... Why do you think Paul describes it here as a shield being faith, or faith as a shield? I know it's because he's looking at the Roman soldier, but why did he pick the shield to do with, with faith?
4: Yeah.
0: What's he talking about? You're, you're dead on. It's exactly right. What's he talking about? That's coming at us. Flaming arrows, fiery darts. So what? What does that mean? That you know, Satan's up there, you know, lighting an arrow and throwing it at us. What, what's he? What, what's coming at us on a regular basis? Lies. It's exactly right. Satan's a liar. He's the father of lies. His world system. This is what a father looks like. You, you, you hear that all the time. It's okay if, if you're this way. I mean, you know, what's, what's wrong with, and not to get in the cultural war, but what's wrong with two fathers or two mothers? I mean, these are lies. They're, they're coming at you. And they're very convincing, aren't they? I mean, you stand back, it's, it's subtle. You don't dump the whole truckload all at once. It's a little lie, it's a little lie, it's a little lie, and it adds up into a big lie. And it's coming all the time. And the shield is believing that this is the book of God and it's the truth. And I'm gonna I'm gonna i to put my put my trust here. And so those things now have to come through the book to get to my mind. And so how does that happen? Again, this is all analogy. I don't walk around like I take this and I put it in my mind. I understand it. Uh, I pursue God in grace and granted at six o'clock on Tuesday morning. I I I I, I sit under expositional preaching. I read the book my you know myself and, and this is the this is the authority. This is the authority and the sufficiency of scripture. And then it's also offensive. The sword is speaking truth to yourself and to others when there's is sin. Around you, so the truth is shield protects your mind from the lies, and, and then it it attacks the the, the, the the lies that that get through. What happens when the fiery dart gets through? The shield sticks in your head. What do you do with it? You preach it to yourself. You talk to yourself. You tell yourself the truth. What happens when that the, those fiery darts get through to our children, or to our parent, or to our are, are wives you, you need a sword to, to cut that off there's an offensive weapon that there's to there's no other way for a Christian to live and there is no moral truth in the in the world system challenging stuff man any closing comments yeah no.
6: Spoken. he was uh, he didn't get paid overtime to so was salary based. If I wanted a day off and other people wouldn't take it he would work that shift for me. Mm-hmm. I mean managers don't typically do that. Um, he would always work with you um, share the load mm-hmm. and made you want so if he asked you then hey can you stay over this day it made you want to. Not, not an obligation like That's I good. Mm. He he still had that managing role, yeah. But you wanted to just to work for him, so you know you want your wives to not feel obligated, because they have it tough. They have to be submissive to a faulty leader, (laughs) and their days are full of distraction and chaos, while trying to focus on daily responsibilities. You know, unless we're in elementary know, we don't have that, you know, time to focus on a report with nagging and distractions
2: Mm. We were to practice these things. Mm. to put on what he's talking about. Mm. So we live in a reactive world. That's why people go to counseling. Mm. They're, not, they're, they're not proactive by living by faith mm. and every little detail. So they, they're very reactive. And so they want a, a solution when arrows get passed, no faith. And, uh, and so we have to be very careful that this was intended to be
0: proactive, mm-hmm. not, not reactive. So this is what Clay was saying, take initiative. Your responsibility. Faith is actually taking initiative, not laying back.
2: Or you're always going to be susceptible to it. You know, the enemy can do whatever Then he's going to play with. And uh,
5: so
2: I I just think it's so important when I teach this and that you have to live by faith in order to, to be able to handle life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what Paul was saying is I mean, you can control them, you can control your children, and you can try to control your wife. But I can promise you the minute that they can that they are able to get out from under your leadership, they're gone. You know, so you control your children with a rod, but but if there's not that godly character that goes with it, or the minute that there's an opportunity to get out from under, that's a big difference than I want to, you know, follow daddy, or I, I want to submit to my so husband. That's our goal. And
2: so we got to do that spiritually. Yeah, to train ourselves. Live by faith in
0: every little detail. Uh, then we'll, we'll do what we're trained to do, and that's trust the Lord. It's like muscle memory, right? Amen. Amen. You learn how to shoot and by shooting a thousand rounds or whatever it is, and what happens whenever you, what do they requalify you on a regular basis? I had a deacon came up and
2: grabbed me from behind at the church, and I threw him over to. <laughs> hey,
0: you guys, take a lesson right now, all right? You deacons in here, because I'll I'll stick mark on you.
2: It was reactive, but I'm just saying you trained, you live like you were trained, and you saw the same thing in the scripture. You have to live by faith. Amen. Ed. Young fathers, this responsibility
0: does not end when
2: you chew on the As
6: a matter of fact. Doing this, is just
0: as important with adult children mm. as it is with young children. Mm. Amen. Did you hear what he said. Don't think of this just as with with young kids. And if uh, wherever you're at in the in the process, I mean, you look around this room, we're blessed. You have people on all different stages. You know, Clay's talking about. You still got some, you know, just ankle biters and. And then I've got one out, and you know, two in the the, the launching ramp. And I I don't know what's going to happen with you know with 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 some. Um, and some of you have them already out. And this is not just while they're in the home. So, and you have a lot of of of, of wisdom in here. Is there something else, over here? Yeah, Greg. I
4: was just thinking. Uh, one of the things I kind of learned even yesterday is. You work a lot of hours, and I've got two out of the house and two still in the house. And um, <coughs> yesterday, I went home to try to finish up a project because i I'm got a lot going on this week, so I'll be out of town next week. And uh, so I was at home just trying to get a lot of things done, and it was almost dark. And I noticed, yeah, my son, he came in. He's twenty, he's at LU, but he was doing homework. And he came outside just, and I noticed he was just hanging around. And all of a sudden, he, he went in the garage, got the football. He was. Just you got to do, you know. And I knew what he wanted, you know, but just, you know. So we ended up to football for about thirty minutes, you That's know. Good. And then later that evening, I had gone inside and sat down at the table and was trying to get some work done. And my daughter, she showed up. She just standing there, and she just wanted to talk. So I mean, it's just, you know, realizing even as busy as we are, we just take a few minutes. You know. I mean, I went home last night with an agenda, and good. I got stopped twice. You know, just they just wanted to spend time. And
0: Mm. It's it good. So. It made me think of what Bodie Bacham said. I tell my daughters that they're beautiful, they're the most beautiful girl in the world, because I don't want some other knothead coming along and them hearing it for the first time from him. I want her, when when that 16-year-old guy says, you're beautiful, she says, yeah, I know. My dad's been telling me that since I've been a kid. So, you got anything else for me?
1: <laughs>
0: Cody? In this, it's Amen. It's good. It's excellent. It's excellent. Yeah. Try, try being a preacher where everything you say from the pulpit with authority, then you go home and your family knows whether you're living it or not. Mm-hmm. That create humility. Cody just said it's, he's basically doing the same thing. This is what I'm teaching. This is what I'm learning. And ask her. Ask her the question. Um, if if all you knew about God is, is what you knew from me, what, what, what picture would, would you have? How, how am I? How am I doing? And uh, you may be surprised at the the answer. You may be encouraged. It's complicated.
2: Just complicated.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you just for getting in our spiritual lunch boxes and digging around and um, pointing us in the right direction thank you for these men bless them today as they, uh, they model you wherever they go in Jesus name Amen